Welcome to Steam Powered, where I have conversations with women in Steam to learn a little bit about what they do and who they are. I'm your host, Michelle Ong. My guest today is Megan Knox. Megan is an early and career technical program manager with a degree in computer science and engineering. She also founded a student organization, Code for Community, whose objectives are to demonstrate humanitarian applications of computer science and provide outreach to local schools, introducing kids to computer science and programming. Join us as we talk about technical program management and Code for Community. So welcome, Megan, to Steam Power. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. It's wonderful to have you on. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Oh, it's not an honor. You're doing me a favor here. <laughs> yeah, so what drew you to computer science and engineering to begin with? Um, yeah, so in, in, in high school when I was trying to decide, um, you know, going into college, what major to do, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I remember going back and forth between a couple different things in high school, possibly thinking like English or something like that. Um, but I really didn't know. I knew I just wanted to pick something. I think uh, my brother was the one who originally suggested engineering to me. I think he thought that I would be good at it and I would like that it's like solving puzzles. Um, and so I think I just ended up like Hail Mary choosing engineering as my uh, major going into college. So I think I chose electrical engineering to start. Um, but I went to um, a small high school. I'm from Southern Ohio, so I went to a small high school in Southern Ohio, um, and I really didn't have very much exposure to engineering or computer science or programming at all. Um, I think we had maybe one engineering class, but it was very basic and didn't really get into any of the specifics of computer science. Um, so I really didn't even know what programming was until I got to college. Um, Wow. So, yeah. So like I said, I, did, I think I chose like, like a hardware engineering major when I first went in. Um, and then during that first semester, um, I took a class that involved programming um, and just found that I liked the, the software side of things more than the hardware side of things. I liked that it's like logical um, and things like that. So I ended up switching majors to a computer science degree during my freshman year. Wow. It just seems really brave to just leap into engineering and comp sci when like, you didn't have that much experience with it beforehand. Just when I was tutoring at university, mm-hmm. we had a few um, infotech students and they were coming in and they just kind of expected that they'd be, you know, doing internet relay chat and yeah. playing flash games all day. They had no <laughs> idea what to expect out of um, this program. So what were your expectations going in with very little experience in what kind of scope there was? Yeah, I definitely did not know what I was getting into. And I definitely (laughs) didn't really have a good understanding of what engineering was before I went in. I think it was like engineering, this like broad term that I didn't really define (laughs) to me. Yeah. It involves like science and math and it involves problem solving. I was like, I sort of like those things. But yeah, definitely like as far as like what writing a program really was, I really had no idea. And I know I had like, like I have like brothers and nephews who are like, I want to be a game maker. (laughs) I never really had those thoughts. Like I didn't really have like unrealistic expectations, I don't think. But 
Yeah, I definitely like had no idea. Like, I don't think computer science was even really on my radar before I took that first like programming class and like got an yeah. understanding of what what programming really means. So, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I I don't know what my expectations were exactly. I think I just kind of learned to pick things up along the way and kind of figured it out. That's so I think cool. I just had like low understanding at first and then just pick things up along the way. I love that. That That's just really leaping your feet first. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah. As part of the you know, your experience at university, you also founded Code for Community. So coming from, uh, I guess, your background of very little experience with this and then deciding that you wanted to you know, show everybody how it works <laughs> and what it can do for people, that, that's very cool. So how, how did that happen? Oh, oh, sorry. Let's start backtrack a bit. What's Code for Community? Um, so Code for Community was a student organization that I founded during my sophomore year at college. It was designed to demonstrate and implement the benefits of computer science, specifically in a humanitarian way. Um, and so the reason that I sort of got this idea um, during my freshman and sophomore years, I was part of this student organization called Humanitarian Engineering Scholars. And that organization was kind of designed to showcase uh, the different fields of engineering and how they can be implied in a humanitarian way. And what I sort of noticed during my time in that scholars group was uh, kind of a disconnect when it came to computer science. And so I think it's easy to to see tangible things and to, like hold events around things that can be built by these other fields of engineering, like you know like mechanical engineering or agricultural engineering like building a robot to help people or things like that yeah but it was I think it was sort of harder to host a humanitarian event around programming and so I didn't see that showcased as much within that group and I think that that could have been like part of the reason that people weren't as interested in computer science at times but my standpoint was kind of like software affects more people on the planet than almost any other field of engineering and so like in my eyes it has the most potential for good and i think that should be that should be highlighted and that should be showcased and we should have some some forum where that can be discussed and that computer science students can use that that platform for good uh yeah that's sort of where the idea stemmed from and so yeah. i founded code for community going into my sophomore year yeah, I really had no idea what I was doing. Like at that time, I really had very little programming experience, very little leadership experience. Like, a re- like it was like, it was like, <laughs> like I, I make it sound like this great thing. Really, at the beginning, it was like it was just like in, in its in its beginnings. You know, it was very green. But like, I learned, I got better. We grew as a club. I grew as a leader. Yeah, it was pretty cool by the end. So at our peak, we ended up taking on two main projects. Um, so the first was kind of what we started with. Uh, when we started the club, so we were worked with a professor in the College of Social Work to help her develop a web app for adolescents struggling with mental health issues. Um, so we ended up working on that project for all three of the years that I was uh, leading the club. Uh, that's kind of like what we started with. Um, of course, it's a, it's a student organization that meets once a week where we are students who are learning computer science. Um, and so uh, she was super helpful. She was super understanding of our, our, our time and our, our ability to have that commitment. But so that was, that was one of our main projects. The other one, which is also very near and dear to my heart, it was outreach to local middle and high schools um, to help generate an interest in computer science. So near and dear to my heart, because like my, my high school uh, 
didn't really have that kind of those kind of programs and that kind of representation for computer science. So while like unfortunately we were in the big city, like I went to Ohio State, so we were in Columbus. Um, so we couldn't really go to a rural high schools because we could only travel within the city of Columbus. Yeah. But 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 still like ha- having that ability to show kids what computer science is, allowing them to interact with some code. Like most of the time we would make a little game and have them play around with it and see. Uh, change the code and see how that would change the game Um, and so just like giving an idea to like see what a little bit of code is see what you can make with code um, and have fun with it like I never had opportunities like that when I was in school and so uh, that was really cool for me to be able to showcase something like that and those are the main things and that's the way the code for community is that's awesome so I went to private school and I've been told that in schools these days now have little robotics classes for mm-hmm. you know um, elementary school level kids it's like oh my god that's amazing like to be able to let them see that kind of stuff and be exposed to that kind of yeah. stuff but again yeah depending on your resources it's not easy to have access to a lot of these sorts of things to be able to understand the scope mm-hmm. and I was speaking to another scientist uh, Sabine she was also saying that when she did school outreach for sciences it was still at the stage where people you ask people you know what stem to you and they said oh well you know we get taught you know science you've got biology you've got chemistry uh you got maths and it's all mm-hmm. these very basic core subjects but it's difficult to illustrate the full scope of what's possible yeah. with all of these subjects and with software it's not always very tangible it's it's embedded into everything that we do but we don't necessarily understand what it is so it's wonderful being able to, you know, allow them to see, you know, I do this and and this is what happens. This is how the mm-hmm. software changes the behavior. It's very yeah. cool. I love it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, like you can't really showcase everything. Um, I think like the main thing for us, we, like, we knew we were going into this doing like one hour sessions with students. And so like, sure, like maybe teach them a little bit about computer science, but just like give them an introduction. Like this is something that exists. This is like a little bit of what it is and have fun with it, you know, like show them that, that, you know, it's a good time and and the things that you can do with it. So, yeah. And I actually think like with everything being virtual now that may have made it a little bit more accessible because I think like I said before, um, we could really only go, we did these events in person, um, so we could only go within the city of Columbus, but yeah, with everything being being virtual, I think that kind of expands the options a little bit. And so in, in places like rural communities who might not have college students who are able to come do that kind of thing in person, yeah. um, it could be opened up with a virtual environment. So I think that's really cool. That is very cool. So what sort of things is Code for Community doing now, especially in the last year when we've had to take everything remote? Of course, I've been a bit disconnected now that I'm not uh, at Ohio State and I'm not part of the club anymore, um, but I did just recently check in. So for the the mental health web app, because of our efforts um, in being able to help her build that website and help her at least get the foundations for this website, um, the professor that we were working with was able to uh, apply for and receive a grant so she got funding for this project um so that was that was really special that we were able to do that for her the grant did impose a pretty strict deadline for that project and so unfortunately we had to end up handing it off but she had funding so that she could do that and that was like that was like fine you know that was like that was the best thing for her that was the best thing for this project and allows us to to like dedicate our time elsewhere so right now they're just focusing on outreach 
um, we would be open to, to taking on another project like the website again, just if something opens up. Um, it's always going to be harder in a virtual environment. Um, so I think they might wait until after COVID to do that. But um, yeah, right now we're still doing outreach. I think they have like 10 events scheduled this semester. Um, wow. So yeah, still, still, still kicking, still doing the same thing and hoping to uh, get more kids interested in computer science. So yeah, really cool. That is absolutely fantastic. Such, it, yeah. yeah, it's such a great kind of initiative that you'd kind of hope could expand elsewhere because mm-hmm. there's so many, so many communities and so many groups that do need this sort of assistance. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So coming from that, so now that you've done all your cool leadership stuff, starting up this amazing kind of community program, how did you make your way through to Microsoft? Yeah, so I... Before starting full-time at Microsoft, I started full-time last August. Um, I did two internships at Microsoft. Um, uh, internships, like three months time, usually during the summer, um, where we go work at that company. And so I did that during the summers of 2018 and 2019. Originally interviewed at Microsoft during my sophomore year. Um, and it's kind of funny because the only reason I ever applied to Microsoft was almost an accident. Um, and I think at that time I was like a sophomore in college. I had like taken one class in computer science. Um, and I, I really didn't think I was like good enough for the company. Uh, I've heard all these things about like, it's really hard to get in these, these jobs and internships at these big West coast companies. Um, I saw so many other people in my major who were more experienced programmers than me. And so, um, it, I, I wasn't even really planning to apply, um, but what ended up happening was I did a coding competition that Microsoft hosted with two of my friends who were a year above me, more experienced programmers than me. Um, and here I am a little sophomore with one programming class under my belt. <laughs> so like through this through this whole hour of this, this coding competition, I ended up finishing like one problem. Like I think it, it was based off of like how many coding problems you were able to complete. Um, and my friends did like nine between the two of them. <laughs> so we ended up winning that competition. No thanks to me, really. Um, <laughs> but but because of that, Microsoft offered us interviews. Um, and so then I was like, well, I have to apply now. Like they offered us interviews. Yeah. And then I got the job from that. And so that was that was really exciting. And that was really unexpected for me. Um, but that so that first summer I did what was called the Explorer Internship at Microsoft. And so um, that is like specifically for like freshmen or sophomores in college who don't have as much experience in programming, um, mainly just to get like exposure in a company and get introduced to the company and get introduced to a, a computer science job and things like that. Um, so during that summer, you you kind of do both uh, the, the program manager and dev role. So my job is program manager. Um, and then at the end of the summer, if you get a return offer, you also uh, choose choose either PM or Dev for your next internship. That's awesome. I haven't got a lot of experience with internship programs. They weren't very common here. I don't know if that's changed in the landscape now. So, you know, whenever I saw, you know, people or applications from people in the US for various jobs, it's like, wow, that's a lot of internships. So how does the internship program work over there? Not just like just in general. Because I keep seeing, you know, people are applying for like a half dozen of them. Like, but how do you, or how and why do you kind of get involved in these things? Yeah, yeah. So 
it's definitely a huge deal in America and especially in STEM and engineering fields. Um, it's, it's like if you go to if you go to any college with a degree in, in engineering, it's going to be like hammered into your brain from like day one, like go like this is how you get internships, like come to this resume builder so that you can like do this interview for this internship. And I think one of the the main things that tech companies will look for in terms of previous experience that you've had, if you're especially if you're just out of college and you haven't had other tech jobs, is if you've had an internship. And so, yeah, like I said, it's like three months of experience at a company. Um, very, very common for a lot of companies to, to host these kind of things. Um, and even though they might not get as much, even though the company might not get as much value from uh, an intern who is just learning computer science and who's only going to be there for three months, um, it's incredibly, incredibly valuable for the intern. Um, and especially if that company offers their return offer and they're able to come back as full time. Um, my internship experience experiences at Microsoft were huge in terms of me being able to ramp up at Microsoft as a full time employee. And so, yeah, yeah, definitely a huge deal in America. Um, it's just, yeah, if you're, if you're an engineering student, you're applying for internships during your sophomore and junior years um, and just expect to, expect to do them during the summers of college and then use that as experience when you're interviewing for jobs full time. That's very cool. So what sort of things in the internship did they cover? Like you mentioned that you went through the program manager track. So how do they expose you to that environment? For at least for me, I think for most interns, it, it's kind of different depending on the internship, probably. Um, but at least at Microsoft and for the team I was on, they kind of gave me uh, a project to work on for that summer. And so when I was a PM intern, um, I got paired up with uh, a dev intern um, and I got there about two weeks early. Uh, and so I was able to kind of start that project. Um, and so. I can kind of explain what the, the, the PM position is, I suppose, but yeah. um, I was able to I was able to start that project for the dev, and kind of lay the groundwork for what our project was be, what we were going to build, what the customer requirements were, um, and then the developer worked on it throughout the summer. Uh, I don't think we actually ended up finishing. We did have like the three month time frame. Um, I think our goal was to finish, but then we ended up hitting some roadblocks along the way and ended up kind of changing the or making a right turn with our project. So, so yeah, I think the idea is to kind of just give you a mini project, give you uh, as, as much experience as you can for like what it would really be like to be a PM at the company, uh, give, giving you mentors and giving you people that you can leverage during your internship experience to kind of learn about what the PM position is and um, help you know what to do during that time. But um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. That's pretty cool. So are these, uh, are they live projects or are they just scenarios? As in, like things that will actually go into production. Um, so the idea <laughs> is for it to be a live project for sure. Well, I had a really great intern manager, and I think he he really advocated that it's 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 important to be providing value to the company. And so yeah. definitely, like while like like as a PM making this project, it was something that's that's meant to contribute value to the company. Um, and so that's kind of how we sh- like shaped the framework of our project. Um, I do think. Most intern projects are probably not that valuable to the company just because <laughs> it's done by interns. We only have scale. three months, yeah. you know, a scale. Um, and that's, I, I think that's, 
that's like fine, you know, maybe, maybe some projects yeah. are able to be, to be picked up by the team later on and continue into full development. Um, or maybe some just get axed and that's, that's also fine. It's whatever's best for, for the business and the intern still got that experience. So, um, but, that's but cool. in theory, all, all pro- at least at Microsoft, all, all like intern projects are meant to go into, into production for the company and have value for the company. Yeah. yeah. That that's very cool. It it's provides a lot more value, not just for the for you, but so, not sorry, not just for the company, but it provides it for you because you can actually see how something that you are building might affect the company, even if it doesn't end up in production. You can still understand where it fits in the scale of an organization, and yeah, that's got a lot more valuable value than something that is hypothetical or just yeah. you know for the sake of being a project. So that's, that's cool. That's really good. Yeah. So what does a program manager do? Of course. So, um, at Microsoft and I think most big tech companies, every tech team is going to have two sides to it, uh, PM and dev. Um, and so the dev side is, I think, pretty self-explanatory. That's the one that most computer science students understand. That's actually writing the code to, to make our services better. And the PM side is a little bit more fuzzy unless you're actually in that role, I think. Um, and so you, you can kind of think of it as like deciding what that code is going to be. But that's not really it. It's more like making sure we're building the right things for the right reasons. Um, and so what that, that can look like is a, a lot of my job is talking to customers. So um, in terms of features that we're building to make our services better, a lot of those are going to have customer impact. Um, so talking to the customers to see where they're having pain points with our services, understanding what sort of requirements and scenarios they have in terms of certain features we're thinking about. Um, is there anything that they would like to see out of our services, any gaps or features that we need to build for them? and like continuously following up and making sure they're updated and aware of our plans the whole time. It also looks like writing strategy documentation and making timelines for our work, uh, making sure that the right people have visibility of those documents. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of things like that. One of the ways that the PM position was first explained to me, so individual developers on the team will, will their, their scope, their focus for the work is like the next two to four weeks of work, just like the, the really what's, what's right in front of them because they're just currently developing. Um, senior engineers might look a little bit farther than that. PMs look at like the next six months of work. So we're really looking at long-term projects, what is coming up for our team. A lot of it is planning. So like on my team, every six months, we do planning for like the next six months. Um, so we try to have like six months plans pretty constantly. And I'm also involved in the, the planning for every sprint, which is two weeks. So like uh, constantly evaluating, like, what are we doing? Does it align with our long term goals? Do we need to change our plans um, and things like that? I think a, a common misconception with the PM position, even even like even within Microsoft and even like among developers, um, is that because we do a lot of planning, because we have a lot of meetings and take a lot of notes, um, some people think we're kind of like glorified secretaries, um, <laughs> and that's like you know, that's like not the no. case at all, right? I think like at first glance, like when you first sort sort of like find out a, at a high level what the position is, um, it can look like a jo- like a job that anyone can do. But yeah, it's really not like my team would be falling apart at the seams without me, which I'm like <laughs> kidding, kidding a little bit. But like without PM support, the, the team would be in, in a much worse place. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of strategy. It's a lot of 
um, knowing how to tell the right story, collecting the right data to convey what you want to the right people. Um, it's a lot of knowing how to interact with the customers the right way and knowing how to get the right information out of customers and, and things like that. So it is a really important position. Um, it's really, yeah, I feel like it's not, it's not like super well known outside of um, the companies themselves. Like I feel like a lot of, like, even like within, within colleges, within like computer science students who are looking to get a tech internship, they would apply for like a software engineering internship. But yeah. um, the PM position was a really good option for me. I think I would, I like it much more than I would have ever liked dev personally. Um, <laughs> and it's also really important. So, and you can gain a lot of great skills from it. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because you know, even if you're as a dev, you still need someone to be able to coordinate the projects, to liaise with other stakeholders, to be able to communicate technical things to non-technical people and yeah. translate you know business objectives and requirements to the techs like it's there's a lot of communication that goes on a lot of translation that goes on between your different stakeholders yeah and you know not just that your scheduling you know your your planning you need to be able to coordinate with other projects that might have conflicts or you know similar critical paths that depend on each other it's there's a lot of coordination involved and often you will have you know, software engineers before, you know, you had to have some of that, but you can't have them do that and do their engineering and development work because there's just yeah. too much of it, especially when you're getting to projects of scale. It just right. doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Definitely not a glorified secretary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, because you are early in career, um, now that you understand, you know, where software engineering and you know engineering and program management fit in to the grand scheme of things where do you see yourself going forward I mean it's not going to be fixed obviously they're going to be changes you're going to find other things but you know where do you see yourself yeah, at the yeah. moment oh man but yeah that's a hard question to answer um, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah I, I really don't know um I I do really like my job and I really like my team um I think I got I think I got lucky in terms of like the position that I'm in and the team that I'm on um because I think it's just a perfect fit for me right now in terms of what I need to to advance um in terms of personal growth in my career but I think I think looking forward um I'm I'm really just focused on the the skills that I need to to be a better PM and, and advance in my career. Um, and I think I'm in the perfect place for that in terms of, you know, like like leadership skills and personal development skills and uh, team building skills and things like that um, are all really important for me. I, I, I kind of say that in terms of like, this is, these are skills that I can get from this job that I could also take elsewhere. Um, and in, in, in other leadership positions and so like leadership is really important to me I like code for community um, I would love to be in that sort of position again if the opportunity were to open up um, I don't have anything like that on the table right now but I, yeah, I do think I'm in the perfect position to to like kind of hone those skills and grow those skills for myself and so that's really what I'm focused on right now um, yeah I, I am I am early in career so I'm happy to you know stay where I am at least for the next couple years and then see where I go from just there. keep scaling up yeah that's awesome and I love that, you know, it's, you know, you, you're, it gives you the opportunity to think about, you know, the scope of the skills that you're learning and, you know, where you can potentially take them and, you know, thinking about leadership and, you know, community 
support and outreach, all of this civic engagement stuff, it's it all kind of works together really well. So as yeah. you, know, you grow your career in this way, as you become a better program manager, more experienced, it's just going to give you so much more scope to expand all these things. It's very sure. cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Cool. All righty. So might move on to some of those more personal questions. Sure. What hobby or interest do you have that is most unrelated to your field of work? Uh, yeah, I love this question. Um, and definitely the <laughs> answer is uh, writing, um, specifically creative fiction. So I do have a nice. creative writing minor. Um, I've loved writing since I was young. Yeah. And I know you can kind of say it's like, it's not totally unrelated to your field of work because I do like technical writing, but really like, Technical writing is not what I really love. <laughs> I think it, it, it does make me a better technical writer, but that's not really, it's not really like my hobby. That's not what I love. What I really love is, is fiction and writing fiction um, and reading fiction. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely my favorite thing. That's cool. Work. So what sort of genre do you write? Just any, any sort of fiction. I find myself mostly writing like realistic fiction, sometimes kind of like like gritty, like real, like kind of like real life, like everyday kind of stuff. Um, but I, yeah, just kind of play around with it. Sometimes I just find like prompts on the internet um, and go off of yeah. that. Sometimes like play around with like fantasy and things like that. That's awesome. So when you were, you know, you mentioned that you'd considered English as a potential major when you were choosing your courses. So why didn't you pursue that area? Um. I feel like totally I have to be about this. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have to be totally brutally honest and <laughs> say that I feel like okay, this might not be actually this might not be the number one reason, but money is something you have to consider always, right? Yeah. Um and so I yeah, I think I just felt like I had to be very practical at that at that point in my life and so um, I think it would have like stressed me out going into college and feeling <laughs> like I had a job I was going into a major where um, I didn't feel like I had as much security and so I think that's that's one of the reasons that I chose engineering um, I think also I didn't really have super I, I didn't feel super clear about what sort of job I would want if I got an English degree yeah pursuing a job as a writer is not super realistic and I think would be very frustrating and just have a lot of, I don't know, rejections, you know. Um, <laughs> it's a pretty and, and, lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and like realistically, I would have to have another job and do writing on the side probably. In any case, um, yeah. Yeah, in any case. And so then, then my like my other options for for English would have been like possibly an editor, possibly working for a publishing house or something like that. But none of those were just very interesting to me. Um, yeah. And so I think that's another reason. Like it, like even though I didn't really have a very clear idea of what engineering was, it just sounded more interesting to me. Um, and so that's why I ended up choosing that. I actually spoke to another computer scientist. Amanda, mm -hmm. she's actually gone into fiction writing. She started out in CompSide, decided it wasn't for her and yeah, decided to pursue writing as well. Cause that was her passion. That was something that she'd always wanted to do. So yeah, that's awesome. you, know, you can always do, yeah. And you're totally doing both. So uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. absolutely an option right there. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So next, uh, which book holds the strongest memories for you? Yeah. So, um, I did think about this question ahead of time. I 
really wish I had something deep and inspirational to say for this one, but I have to be completely candid and say Harry Potter. Ah, nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I mean, I, I I grew up with it. It was a big part of my life. It was a big part of my family. Everyone in my family read it, and um, you know, my mom and dad read it to me when I was young, and it's just it's just something that we've like we've all shared, and it's just been a part of my life. Like, oh, that's cool. I still I still love it, you know. So yeah. It's just, that was absolutely the first thing that came to mind and yeah, just still holds the strongest memories for me. So, yeah. Oh, definitely. I love that your whole family was involved in it. That's such a great yeah. thing to be able to share. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really sweet. Oh, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah. And what advice would you give someone who would like to do what you do and what advice should they ignore? I think especially for high school or college-age girls who are interested in going into computer science, um, there can be a lot of like imposter syndrome, um, a lot of the feeling like you're not good enough, feeling like you're not supposed to be there. Like you look around the classroom and you're one of like two or three girls in a classroom of, you know, 20 or 30 people. Um, and that, that's intimidating. And I think those feelings are not unfounded. Um, like I, I personally like this. Is, <laughs> I, I personally often feel like if I'm not immediately good at something, then it's not for me. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I, you know that that that's not true, and and it can be overcome if you like it. Um, stick with it. Um, and I think I kind of took on this advice for myself: like be your own role model and be your own representation. Yeah. Um, realize that you're just as competent and just as capable as everyone else in this field. Um, and you know, even if you don't know as much as the person next to you, even if even if they've had previous experience from high school or personal projects, you can learn. Like everything, everything that they know and everyone that everyone knows has been learned. So, you yeah. know, I guess sort of like believe in yourself, be your own role model, um, and yeah, just, just just realize you're just as capable as anyone else. So, yeah. Um, and I yeah. say, um, I was thinking about the advice they should ignore. And I say, just from my, my personal experience of almost not applying to Microsoft, like, you might be uh, afraid to go for the big companies because they're super competitive and just be tempted to, to try for something smaller um, or feel like you more don't know achievable. enough yet. Yeah, more, more achievable, like, whatever. But uh, no, go for the big companies. Like, aim high, like, believe in yourself, have big goals. Um, like I did it. So you can too, you know, like, yeah, uh, it's, it's, they, they interview everyone, they interview everyone with the same criteria. And so, you know, you're, you're just as capable as anyone else. Yeah. As you said, it's exactly what you did. You, you know, dove in head first, just gave it a go. And that's the biggest challenge a lot of people face. I think a lot of the self-doubt that kind of holds you back going, oh, I couldn't possibly, you know, they wouldn't consider me. I don't quite meet the expectations of, you know, I don't meet my expectations, why would I meet theirs? But you really don't know until you try. And, you know, you don't know what people will see in your potential unless you allow them to do it. Yeah. So it's great that. Yeah, know, for sure. Definitely. That. All that kind of stuff. It's very cool. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for joining me today. It's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you about your early career, your experiences, and just, yeah, your thoughts on how people should be approaching all of these things when, you know, they're just starting out their careers and trying to figure out what they want to do. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. If people would like to find out more about what you do and, you know, about your work, where can they go? Uh, yeah. So I have a LinkedIn. I can share that. Uh, link with you to send out in the, the video link. Um, I also totally fine if people email me. 
Um, and so I'll also send you that link so that people have that as well. Awesome. Thanks so much. And yeah, I'll also include the stuff about uh, Code for Community so people can find out more about what they're up to as well. Cool. And yeah, have a wonderful day. All right. Thank you so much. It's been great learning from Megan about what the role of program manager involves and the types of skills required to perform it. It isn't uncommon for people to underestimate the roles that require coordination and planning, but you have to remember that they also need communication and leadership skills, as well as technical literacy, all things that we'll need as we develop our careers. Learning about Code for Community and their community and outreach programs is also wonderful to hear about. Of course, all aspects of STEM are important, but some fields are easier to communicate and demonstrate than others. And being able to give tangible examples of how it works to the next generation is a great way to spark interest and introduce the scope of what can be achieved in these fields. To learn more about Megan and what we discuss on the show, or to connect with us, please visit the Steam Powered website at steampoweredshow.com. You can also reach out to Megan on LinkedIn and via email, the links for which will be in the show notes. And I'll include more info about Code for Community for those interested in their initiatives. Perhaps it'll inspire some of you to start your own version. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to hear more like it, subscribe to this podcast and share this with your geeky or geek-curious friends. You can also support Steam Powered on Patreon and Ko-fi under Steam Powered Show, the links for which will also be in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>